okay, I don't know if I can eat any more turkey. <laughs> you know, you're you're listening to this. You're listening to this after Thanksgiving, but we're recording this the day after Thanksgiving. So yet I still ate a lot of turkey, and that's two days in a row. So I'm feeling fat and happy. <laughs> Leftovers galore, yeah. And we are actually we are actually sitting here in the same room, finally doing an in-person recording, yeah. which I'm really excited about. On location, absolutely, we're excited. You can come find us in Prescott, Arizona, right now if you <laughs> if you want to hunt us down. But we'll be gone tomorrow. Yeah, if you have a time machine. But if you do, you can use it for something better than tracking us down, like stopping yourself. Or if you do want to get a hold of us, just reach out to us through our email. There you uh, go, even that, better. That's a pretty easy one. Uh, recoveryu 2 at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, speaking of hearing from you guys, we are looking forward to some of the comments and what your thoughts were and selecting who's going to win that free shirt after uh, the gift giveaway raffle that I set up last week. Yeah, day one swag. So... If you haven't, like, share, comment, and get yourself some cool day one swag. Absolutely. So I, I wanted to start this episode off, Chris, by uh, since it, with it being Thanksgiving, I wanted to say something that I'm that I'm thankful for. And this one, whenever I tell people that I'm actually really thankful for this, they kind of give me that really look. <laughs> I can't uh, wait. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Uh, I am thankful for the addiction I had to overcome and the suffering I went through and who I've become through all of that. Now, I I felt myself almost give you that look. So say more. (laughs) It's one of those things that while you're going through it, you really hate it. It's it's what we talked about in the whole truth. the, the consequences discussion that consequences suck. Going through addiction recovery really sucks. It's, a pretty terrible feeling to go through. However, when you get to the other side and you are able to finally recognize what you've learned and what you've become, it's really hard not to be grateful for what the Lord has made out of you, for what he's turned you into. And just, you, you kind of, it's it's like after you've been going to the gym for months and you finally take a second to stop and look at yourself in the mirror and you go, wow, I'm seeing results. I really like the way I look. It was torturous. I did a lot of sweating. I was sore all the time, but looking at myself now and the way that I feel totally makes it worth it. Absolutely not. That makes a lot of sense and makes me think of our discussion last time about the manpower goals. Um, you know, you can have those many victories as you're working your way through recovery and, you know, you don't stop going to the gym just because you gained a half an inch on your biceps. So, uh, no, I like that though. It's very true. Um, nothing, I would say it this way, nothing worth having in life comes easy. Uh, that's true with addiction recovery. If it were, if it were easy to get out of, it would be easy to fall back into or even easier than it is. Yeah. So true. Um, the, the other reason that I'm actually really thankful for what I've gone through is before when I was deep in my addiction, I actually loathed hearing about other people and their addictions. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I mean, because number one, because I hated myself so much, mm. it made me hate the sin so much, which made me hate the sinner so much. So oh, interesting. it was all just kind of one big ugly circle that made me really just even look at people with a very judgmental eye, even though I myself was committing the same errors, the same sins. 
I got really frustrated and really upset when I heard that other people were doing it too. And then, you know, I, I would, I would make the mistakes of saying the same things that I hated hearing, which was like, just stop, or you need to get that under control, or you're, you're going to lose that person when little did they know here I was not stopping. I was losing my significant other. I wasn't in control. And so it made me really hypocritical, which then just piled on top of my hate for myself. So what, what I'm thankful for is the way that this has really made me look at people that are struggling with this addiction with a light of respect and love and genuine admiration for the suffering that they're going through. And it just makes me want to help them. There's not that, that anger or that disgust that I used to feel because I no longer feel it for myself. I no longer feel it for others either. I love that. That makes me think um, there's a there's a tool or a framework that Life Changing Services puts out. And we've talked about this a little bit um, in previous podcasts. And it's the three voices framework. One, you know, one voice is God who's encouraging you, who's who's saying, you know, I'll be merciful. I'll forgive you. There's good and hope ahead. There's our own voice. And then there's the voice of the devil who plants those, you know, tempts us to embrace those negative and and damaging and hurtful um, attitudes that that impede our recovery that impede our personal growth and development Um, so i think that's a powerful realization that you that you lined out there and and for our listeners i'd I'd encourage you to kind of reflect on if you've gone through similar things like cameron has just said and and really say is this is this something that i really believe myself or or am i buying into a a narrative that the devil is trying to to sell to me? Am I choosing? Cause, cause we always have our choice, right? It's not, we can't fall back on that line of the devil made me do it, but we do need to realize that the devil is real and that he does want to get us off course. So if you're listening, take a minute to say, you know, have I ever been in a situation like what Cameron just described and how can I, how can I reframe that and, and make better, better choices about how I see myself, how I see other people. I like that. That's super powerful. Thank you. Yeah. And, and thank you for making those points. Um, I, I completely agree. It, it what, you, what you were just saying uh, kind of made me, the thought came to my mind. So I, I've never been in the military, but my best friends are all in the military. Everywhere I've gone, I kind of gravitate toward those people in the military. Since I haven't been in the military, I'm going to try not to take that too personally. But go ahead. <laughs> you were saying. <laughs> However, I, I have read quite a few of the personal stories like um, American Sniper, Chris Cratt, Chris Kyle's story. I've read Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. Man, I can't talk right now. I've got turkey in my mouth. <laughs> Lone Survivor by Marcus Luttrell. By Marcus Luttrell. And, you know, these are these are incredible stories. And both of them have, have one part that and, – and actually those two guys, a little segue here, actually knew each other um, when they were becoming Navy SEALs. That's um, cool. And by the way, we're not getting sponsored by Marcus Luttrell, but if he hears this and wants to sponsor us, go for it. <laughs> love to meet you. We, we'd love to. <laughs> Throwing it out there in the universe. Absolutely. You never Let's talk. <laughs> anyway, I keep, I keep interrupting you. Keep going. No, it's, it's totally fine. So, uh, but, but these guys talk about the budge training that they went through. And one thing that they both talk about gathering is this respect for the people that come after them as they watch these guys go through hell week and as they watch these guys go through some of the toughest training that humans can go through in order to achieve a goal, they, they might be hard on them yet at the same time, when those people make it through that training, 
they have this brother-like bond that they have gone through this suffering together and there's nothing but respect and love and trust from those people and because they've gone through that training they know that when their lives are on the line that the guy next to him has put enough into his training and has gone far enough to realize that person's going to have my back and I can trust them with my very life and that's what we want to talk about tonight is is this deeper love and respect and an acceptance of of those around us um, especially those who are are coming you know down a path that this path of recovery that that you're progressing on um, you know if you're if you're a consistent listener we're we're a few months in here and and I hope that you're getting to the point where you're seeing yourself differently um, because before you can really embrace this concept and enjoy this deeper love and acceptance of of the people who are are shouldering a burden that you're shouldering or have shouldered i i think it's a, a truth that you first have to love and accept yourself and i hope if you uh, are a new listener you'll go back and listen to the previous podcasts because we walk you through those those different doors that you have to go through to get to the place um, where you can feel like you truly love and respect yourself and, and i'm i'm curious um cameron what that was like for you because we've talked about that so when when did you first when did it dawn on you um, because we've talked about you know having having trouble looking at the at ourselves in the mirror when did you first think or realize that maybe you didn't truly love and accept yourself for who you are when i didn't love and accept myself for who i was yeah I'm, because I, I don't know that that happens all at once right it's not like we love ourselves one day and then we wake up the next day hating ourselves i think it, it happens by degrees, we talked about this, I can't remember if it was last time or the time before, but that analogy of, of being poisoned by by degrees of, of, you know, we let our guard down by degrees or we enter into our addiction a little bit at a time. And so I don't know if, if there was ever a, a time when you woke up one day and thought, I don't like who I see. And then how did, if, and then what was it like moving from that to I do like who I see, um, you know, at what point in your recovery, your recovery, and maybe it wasn't until last week when everything came back together for you, but when, when did that really click for you? The, the switch from, I don't like who I see in the mirror. And if there was a time when you, when you realized that you didn't like who you saw and switching to, oh, you know what? I'm not perfect, but that's okay. I love and accept myself for who I am. Yeah, I, I, I love that you asked that question. And this is something, and maybe my story resonates uh, pretty personally with a lot of people here. Again, if you felt this way, you know, raise your hand in your car or, or wherever you're at right now. <laughs> Chris has got both Two his hands, hands up. Wait, wait, wait. Um, I actually, before I was ever, I would even say deep into my addiction, I didn't like who I was. I didn't like the way that I looked. I didn't like the way I felt about myself. I, 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 I would look in the mirror and just be like, oh, dude, you are so ugly. And I, I really, I felt like I could never dress well enough or get in good enough shape or be accomplished enough to be found attractive by other people. And I actually was struggling with narcissism at the same time. Like at, at the same time that I hated myself, I also kind of prized myself in my ability to 
attract girls, to go on dates with beautiful girls, to, you know, but I wasn't using it as an opportunity to really discover who I was. I was only using it as an opportunity to further dig myself into the hole of addiction and self-loathing. So I wouldn't say there was a moment that I really, I had an aha moment that said, you know, I really don't think I like myself. I think where the change started to shift and happen was when I finally started for the first time in probably 15 years, started living righteously and not only living righteously, but feeling like I had control over my own actions and could make my own choices to where the that righteousness and that shift in the way that I was living made me realize, hold on, who I was before is something I really did not like and I don't want to go back to that. Who I am now and who I'm becoming actually is really cool and fun to be around. And I even had people, and, and you, Chris, actually were one of the ones that pulled me aside one time and said, I just want you to know there is, there's a different light about you. There, there is a different feeling being around you and it's, it's really palpable. And that to me was another, that actually was an aha moment that like, okay, things actually really are changing. My mind was becoming more clear. I didn't feel so tainted. I didn't feel so confused or lost in my thoughts or my inability to control anything. I was becoming me. I was recovering me, ironically enough. So, No, I think you've uncovered an important uh, paradigm shift or perspective that people need to embrace. And that is this concept of, of where do you anchor your values? I think we've all been through this um, in high school to one degree or another of, you know, we, we buy into the advertising, wear this kind of shoe, wear these kind of pants, use this kind of cologne, drive this kind of car, listen to this kind of music. And we, we anchor our, our self-identity, our values, how we make decisions on those popular opinions, on those shifting values of the world. And so it, we're always true. We can never actually anchor to anything. You know, it's like Dr. Fauci and his goalposts, they keep getting moved out. And so, uh, <laughs> we might have to cut that out. Um, but I should, I, we should have a sound effect every time <laughs> that I insert my political opinion. Sorry. Um, so anyway, but it's things that move And if we can, if we can get to the point, like you've described this, this righteous living, I, I would, I would define righteous living as anchoring your values and identity and things that are eternal, things that don't change. Like you are a child of God, like obedience to commandments brings blessings, like faith and charity connect you with people in meaningful ways. And that it doesn't matter at the end of the day what you're wearing, what music you listen to, um, or how popular the people are that you hang out with. What matters is that you are rooted in these things that are true today. They were true yesterday, and they'll be true for all of our tomorrows. And so if, if we can make that shift, I think that's what you've uncovered is that that's when we feel empowered to accept ourselves and to love ourselves and to know that you know we can go 
make our own way in the world and not worry about fitting into somebody else's box that they feel like we should be in. I, I love that you point out anchoring yourself in those core values of those eternal truths that are going to be there, like being a child of God. For a lot of you, especially if you are still really struggling with, with who you are and your ability to have that self-control, um, I'm going to make it even one step easier for you because this is what I had to do when I first started. And this quote has really, and maybe I've quoted it before, but it has changed my life in a lot of ways. It's by Hugh Nibley that says, who is righteous? Any man who is repenting. The man at the top of the stairs looking down is no better off than the man at the bottom of the stairs looking up. What matters is the direction you are facing. And if all you can do today is decide to just face the Lord, just to say in your mind or in a prayer, say, today, God, I'm choosing you, then that, that today is enough. You might even, you might even have a relapse. You might be struggling, but that does not mean that your desires are not righteous. And what we are judged by is the desires of our heart. And without digressing too far off of course here, what will begin to happen when you start to understand the desires of your heart is you then start to understand and see the desires of others' hearts as they're going through these struggles. Like that song in Prince of Egypt, look at your life through heaven's eyes you start to see others through heaven's eyes, no longer through a worldly judgment point of view that Saint would have you look at other people with. Would, would you believe I've never seen that movie? <laughs> uh, no, yeah. no, but we need to have a movie now. I know, I, I worked with the young men in our, in our church and uh, that came up somehow and they were dumbfounded. So, uh, you know. <laughs> incomplete childhood or something on my part so many mouths just dropped open right now listening it's just like what really so another thought that happened to me a lot even when i was living righteously was i, I kept asking myself you know like okay I, if i'm doing everything right you know I, I'm, I'm doing all these things right why do these bad things still keep happening? Why do I keep messing up? Why do I keep breaking the hearts of my loved ones? Why isn't everything better? Uh, and I don't know, I feel like, I feel like you have something you want to say here to yeah. answer that why. Well, yeah. And well, and just to, to backtrack for two seconds, um, when, when you're going through this paradigm shift, I think it's okay. And, and this dawned on me at one point in my life. And I actually had this conversation with God where it's, where it got to the point. Um, Alma talks about if you can have no more than a desire to believe, you might not believe. You know, if you're struggling to come to a sense of your self-worth, start with desiring. Um, start with saying, honestly, you know, I still want to do things that are wrong, but I'm tired of wanting to do things that are wrong. I want to get to the point, Heavenly Father, where I don't want to do what's wrong anymore. Love that. That's and, awesome. And and that's enough, right? That The quote that you said about um, the staircase is what made me think of that. If you feel like you're at the bottom of the staircase or somewhere in the middle and you feel like people are looking down at you, just ignore them be, and, and look at yourself and, and turn to God and say, this is where I'm in. This is where I'm at. And I'm honest about it. And I don't want to be here anymore. I want to take the next step. Can you help me take, take the next step? And he absolutely will. And, and, and then to answer your question, you, you will, um, you will have these moments where you're working so hard 
and you feel like you deserve some blessings. <laughs> you know, if I, I can, if I could just, uh, you know, you're trying to win the, the recovery lottery essentially, or the celestial lottery. You know, I, I bought my tickets. I feel like I, I deserve the jackpot here or, you know, maybe just a hundred dollars and that's understandable and that's okay. Um, but bad things are going to happen and it's not always to teach you a lesson. There are lessons to be learned, but it's not necessarily because you're doing something wrong in your recovery or your life. It just happens. I, I flipped this question around a little bit and I don't know if this will help answer. I wonder often why do good things happen to bad people? Ooh. Okay. So if okay, you, keep going. if you look at, and if you look at people, not in a, not in like a, I can't believe they're so terrible or, you know, I'm better than they are way. But if you look at people, you'll notice that there are some people who seem to be, you know, just one step away from worshiping Satan. They're doing every terrible worldly thing and they seem to be enjoying it and being and successful. Their lives are just so <laughs> awesome. Right. Sports cars, supermodels, mansions, whatever, you know, it all looks good. And thinking about the question that way, um, the answer came to my mind, at least for me in that moment, that the devil can only reward the people who follow him in this life. He, Ooh, he, doesn't, okay. he doesn't have any power to bless them after this life is over. And so why do bad things happen to us? A lot of reasons. But one thing that we can take out of it is, is that we can understand that by still choosing to do what's good, even in the middle of something bad, we become more like God. God has a tough job. And if, if you um, subscribe to the subscribe, ascribe, believe in the <laughs> Latter-day Saint um, train of thought that as man is God once was and as God is man may become, then we're all destined for glory and Godhood. And God probably has some pretty bad days. And he's had to learn through an eternity of putting up with bad days, how to make good things come out of bad days for the people who depend on him, which is all of us. And so that long-winded answer to your very simple question, <laughs> you know, bad things happen just because they do. And it gives us an opportunity to say, am I going to embrace the bad or am I going to say, I can find a way to get something good, no matter how bad the situation is. Awesome. Dude, your long-winded answers are always stellar anyway. Like it's, you, you never need to feel bad about that. for a drink <laughs> of water. Um, well, at least the liquid's clear. We don't know if it's water. Um, so I love how this is constantly an argument to for people to say like, God doesn't exist is, well, if God existed, why do all these terrible things happen? And a similar question was asked when Christ was on the cross was, if you are the son of God, if you are who you say you are, come down from the cross, prove it to everyone. And that is not the point. Mm. The, the point is, is not to demonstrate the power of God. The point is not to say, God, if you existed, don't ever let anything bad happen to me in my life. The point is to say, God, when you give me this trial, if I turn to you, will you please help me come out of it better than I was before? That is the power of God, is taking something that has to be broken and building it 
better than it ever was before. Stronger. I mean, th think of it this way. And God actually, this is really cool. God made our bodies this way to prove this point in my mind. When you break a bone, what happens at the side of the break? Well, I my understanding is that it grows back stronger than it was before it broke. It you're, does. You're the medical expert. It, so I could be wrong. <laughs> it, it does. At the side of the break, the bone calcifies and becomes harder than the rest of the bone. And it's actually almost impossible to break a bone in the exact same place again. It might break around that spot, but that calcified part, that broken part that has healed will not break again. And I, I, I love that thought of adding that onto why do bad things happen? Bad things happen to make better things be the outcome. And, and I would just add to that, you know, th that's a lie that the devil tries to get us to buy into is that nothing bad is supposed to happen in this life. This life is supposed to be sunshine and lollipops and whatever makes you feel good, quote unquote, not necessarily doing good, but whatever makes you feel tingly is what you should enjoy 24 seven. And that's just not the case. We're here to to improve ourselves to become warriors we're here to you know just like these these navy seals and going through buds you don't give a, you don't get a navy seal by letting them take sunset strolls on the beach you get a, you get a navy seal by dragging what? them to, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so think think about life as one long boot camp it, it, we're not here to prove that we deserve a cloud and a harp we're here to train so that when we get to the other side, we are, you know, we are, I don't know if this is blasphemous, but we're celestial Navy SEALs for, you know, <laughs> we're, we're ready to empower and glory, promote eternal truth and make life better for other people. I love the idea that you brought up there of we're here to train. And then so that way, when we get across that finish line, when we get across the other side, we are basically battle ready. Um, when I was running cross country in high school, one thing that we we were always taught to do was once you finish the race, you don't just go lay down and flop in the grass. And I mean, unless you're going to pass out and puke, then absolutely, you know. <laughs> but once you finish that race, you stop, you walk out a little bit, and then you come back and you start screaming for your teammates. You cheer them on because you know what they're going through and you want them to win. And that is, that is another thing that we need to be focusing on doing here is as you start to get your life under control, as you start to, to cross multiple finish lines, take a look back and help others across, cheer them on, be their cheerleader, be their teammate, be there for them, because that is one of the reasons that we are going through these trials. I firmly believe that one of the biggest reasons I had an addiction to pornography and sex one of the biggest reasons that I went through these trials is because later on in life, being what I'm going through right now, there was going to come a time that other people were going to need to see what I had been through and need to feel the hope of what I had gone through and, and see that, okay, as bad as this is right now, I have a physical, tangible example in front of my eyes talking to me saying, there is still hope. There is still time. It's not too late. I have not gone too far. And that is one of the reasons that we have to go through these trials. We have to, I mean, I, I think of those, those women that have had miscarriages and it is a tragic thing. And 
And then I think of how they have later on in life been able to help out another woman who has gone through it. And they say, I know what you're going through. I know it's hard. We can get through this together. And that that person doesn't have to feel like they're the only one in the world to ever be suffering through such a thing. Yeah. I, I can't tell you. So for us, it was, it was infertility years and years of trying to have a baby and not being able to. And finally, finally got it figured out, found a great doctor. And uh, now we have four kids, one on the way and, you know, we can't stop them from coming now. If we Congratulations, want to. <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Thanks. So I can't tell you how many people sat in our living room, how many people my wife comforted, how many guys I went on drives with who said, we just want to be parents. We just want to be a mom and a dad. We just want to have a baby to love. And because of what we had been through, we could, we could empathize with them. And what's more than that, um, I think there's a level above empathy, um, and that is charity. We felt for them what Christ would feel for them. And we were able to not only say, we understand what you're going through, but we would then be able to point them to things that could help them, things that they could do, doctors they could talk to, um, practical day-to-day things to get them through the gut-wrenching um, sad times. And I think it's the same way, same way with addiction as you're working with recovery. Um, it, it can't help but build empathy and love in you. And, and I guess that's the question that I want to end on um, for you, Cameron, because you started us off saying, you know, this was the before picture of me where I would, where I would get frustrated and, and it, and it graded on me. And, um, you know, I had a, I have a mentor. She was my eighth grade teacher and we became lifelong friends and, And I think I've shared this story before. Um, So I'll just summarize it by saying after a hard day um, and some, you know, eighth grade drama, I went to her for advice and she said, sometimes the things that bother us most in other people are the things we're most unwilling to change in ourselves. So I found that to be true in life. And it's, I think it's true in in addiction. And, And as we work recovery, that love and that empathy builds. So, you know, kind of like a, a, a weight loss workout before and after picture. We got the before picture. What's what's the after picture like now um, as, as you've come out um, and recovery is an ongoing thing and, and you do a great job, I think, being honest and, and humble and working the process every day to, to stay good. Um, but what's what's the, the current after picture like for you and how you view other people who are maybe just figuring out, hey, I need to start working recovery. Yeah, great question. The, the after picture that I see is I, I kind of sit there in awe of people that have gone through hard times in their lives. Uh, where where before I, it used to be all about me. Uh, I, I wanted um, people to try and help me change. I wanted people to save me. I wanted to be carried to heaven, you know, on the other side without doing any of the work myself. And... Now, what I what I see not only in in myself, but first of all in others is I have so much dang love and respect for people that suffer, and and it's one of those things that I'm really speechless when when people tell me what they're going through, the the struggles they're they're going through with their wives, and and how even though knowing that them making a mistake or them struggling is going to break someone's heart. 
that they know that the the call of righteousness goes above and beyond the temporary pains and discomforts of honesty. I mean, there have been a couple guys um, just recently that have told me that they've, they've had to confess some really difficult things to their wives and that they've had some relapses and and it it shattered some hearts. And the the interesting point here that I'm making is I texted him a few days later and said, how are things going? And both these guys said, actually, I had a great conversation with my wife. Uh, one of them said, my wife allowed me to take her out on a date. Um Another one said, you know, there've been some difficult conversations, but we felt more connected and closer than we were before. And and that's the amazing thing. Satan wants you to believe that being honest is only going to cause pain that's going to damage things. But what what's actually happening is there's still these cracks when 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 you when you confess these things, when you admit to your problems, it's going to cause cracks, but then or or breaks, but then as that heals just like a bone, it is going to heal stronger. There's going to be more trust. There's going to be more communication. There's going to be more connection and things overall are going to be better. So, so the after picture on the side of how I see other people is it's a kind of pure love that I've never experienced before in my life. And the after picture of myself, I, I love who I am and I forgive me. And I don't know how many of you out there listening to this can right now look into a mirror and say, hey, I forgive you. Because that to me was the last thing to happen. God was the first one to forgive me. And then as my life started to change, my family started to forgive me. That didn't mean that they totally opened up their their boundaries and allowed me in, but they forgave me. And then it took years after that for me to finally say, and now I forgive me too. And that to me, I think is one of the most beautiful and outstanding things that happens on the other side of this journey is you can look at yourself and you can say, hey, yeah, we made a lot of mistakes. We did some dumb stuff, but we forgive ourselves. And we're willing to do that with a godlike love. And we see ourselves through heaven's eyes. I think that's super powerful. And so my last thought would be, whether you are on the first step of the staircase of recovery, looking up, you should know that there are people farther up the staircase and all they have for you is love and empathy and encouragement. And if you are farther up the staircase or just about to the top, realize that there's people behind you who still need your love. They still need your encouragement. They still need your empathy. They still need your story. So, Look at recovery. Take the opportunity to have one of your writing goals be to write down how you can show that love and acceptance and encouragement. And know that as you work to recover yourself, great things are ahead, not the least of which is the ability to love and forgive yourself. Okay, guys. Well, in uh, I, I know that your holiday, your Thanksgiving holidays are over, and we're looking forward to the Christmas holidays. Do we get to say Merry Christmas now? Oh, my gosh. Not, not on this episode. Nope. Merry Christmas. Oh, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to edit that one out. <laughs> but seriously, guys, just, just remember, we, we love you. Um, you. You are loved by so many people. You're not alone in this and you, you can recover you. Allow yourself some forgiveness. Allow yourself a little bit of charity and compassion, like what Chris was saying. 
And as you do that, you are going to be fine. You're going to find that it's so much easier to love and be kind and forgive other people as well. And it will all start to come together. Just face the right direction. That that's all it really comes down to. Um, that that's my closing note. Uh, I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Again, if you have not submitted uh, a, a review or shared our podcast or something and you want that t-shirt uh, you got one more week to get it in and i look forward to selecting someone and seeing just how good they look in that swag absolutely until then keep up the fight we'll talk to you next week